good day. You are listening to a podcast, but this isn't just any podcast. Just any podcast couldn't do this. Or this. What the? This is the podcast. Starring the tense. Starring the tense. The uh, starring the Ted Smith and Cobb. The podcast starts. You better wear a helmet now. All right, welcome back to another episode of uh, the Home Episodes of the Podcast. We're the host of this here podcast, greatest podcast from all the land, all the land. Ah, getting back into it. Uh, Up there, back in his left square, showed up early today. He goes by the name of Cobb. Cobb, what's going on? Booyah, Kesha, boys. Feeling good. Feeling strong. Honestly, I'm pumped for a podcast. I'm not an alley cat today. I'm sitting at my desk, so should be a good one. Let's go. I know. We got you on the big screen. Just sitting still. All right, down there getting the studio set up, recording as soon as he can. Matt Karma, the producer, MCCP. What's up, Matt? Hey, Dad. Good to see you. First thing I would talk about is a surprise pop-in from uh, Mr. Cobb this weekend. Saw him down at Cape Sport MMA. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, him and AC popped in. That's like he sent me, he texted me a picture, and I'm sitting up on the apron. And I was like, Are you in the arena? Like, I didn't know you guys were coming. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, in the past, you know, I, I think I mentioned this to you, but you've hooked us up with some, some tickets down there, which is really cool. I love the event. I love, like, just that Brian Halquist puts the whole thing on. So, my, my buddy AC, who loves fighting, we've been meaning to spend some time together. So, we decided to just grab some tickets on the, on the sly. Not tell Ted support the uh, support the venue because everyone had a tough time with COVID and go in, dude. That new setup is so sick. They are like a, a half step below UFC level at this point. Way better, ten times better. Yeah, the Emerald Queen Casino itself just looks awesome. Like the new one. That was the first time I had been inside of it. But yeah, that showroom looks great, man. And we were the first thing in there. So I don't know if you noticed some of the bass was a little loud because they they haven't had a show in there yet. It was the music. Honestly, the audio sounded great. But what I loved is like those video screens. Now I feel like I could actually like see the action where before you're kind of at eye level with the ring. So you kind of had to stand up and sometimes you could see some of those people in front of you were saying, but this is like a tiered arena situation. It's kind of like if you cut the showware center in half, I would say. Um, yeah, dude, cool spot. That was fun as hell. AC and I looked at each other halfway through and we were like, we need to start coming to these. Yeah. Well, and that was a good night of fights, too. I mean, that card went a little long, but that was some of the that was probably one of the best like, like fight cards we've had in a long time. Like the matchups were good. The funny thing was, though, oh, is like beforehand. Right. So like like Crystal, like the ring card girl that walks out in front of me, like I've known Crystal for years. She's been down there working. And then I kind of know the, other the blonde, the dark hair or the kind of like Native American Asian one. Uh, the small kind of Asian looking girl that was in the front. Very nice. So she was, she was like, I haven't done this. I'm kind of nervous. And I was like, you, I was like, I haven't talked to anybody in front of people in a year and a half. So it was kind of, everybody's usually pretty cool, but even like, I'm sure Ken, uh, Ken Davis, the ring announcer won't mind me saying, but like before we started, everybody was kind of like had butterflies. I was like, it's all right, we'll get through this. (laughs) And then uh, like the first fight, Cobb can attest, Matt, it was so odd. Like, new showroom, people hadn't been out. You could hear a pin drop. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was awkward. And, like, uh, Bob Stelton from uh, 710 was sitting next to me. He's like, do you want to go in and remind them they can cheer? And I was like, I think I might have to. What? <laughs> yeah. 
Dude, you know what I think it was? I realized this about halfway through. I was like, this is a tame crap. Well, first of all, with the backstage butterflies, all she has to do is be a hot chick. Her work is done before she shows up. Like she put in the work in the gym. She put in the work with the diet. Like now you just have to walk. No problem. Like that's not to take anything away from her. It's a ton of work to look as good as she does. But like by the time the night is there, like, you know, the makeup is done. Like it's, you know, 98% of the work is in the bag. But for you, I mean, you could slip up. No offense. <laughs> right. Well, like walking a tightrope, my man. The other funny thing is, like, me and my buddy Saul, we always go down to Asado. That restaurant is awesome. Had a delicious piece of sea bass. So I'm, like, backstage bragging about ceviche and the sea bass. And they're like, yeah, like, they give us vouchers, but we can't eat right before we do this. We'll blow it up. I was like, huh, I really thought about that. Yeah, I always get a solid meal in before I do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no those girls looked good though well the, the other thing i was thinking about with how uh how tame the crowd was is i think i don't know if this was intentional or not this is where i always get conspiratorial but the line for beer and alcohol was really really long and i figured they might be like slow dripping the fight the fight crowd so it didn't get too rowdy uh i think a big part of it honestly is they just they just haven't had a crowd in there so that was the first time some of those bars i think have even been open and like, and that then would make sense. It was like two bartenders for like a thousand people, something like that. Yeah. And there's still like some restrictions, right? You had to like wear your mask when you weren't actively eating or drinking. And there was like weird lines too. Cause like after I was done, I went out to get a beer and you had to like, I, you had to like wait specifically for them to clean everything. It was just, it was a slow process. But Cobb, you are correct. Cause when I got back there, I was like, trust me, two or three fights, this crowd would get a little more, uh, I don't want to say liquored up, but lubed up. They're like, they'll get rowdy. And then it happened. You know, that second Good. fight ends in a knockout. Then you then you get a knockout in the third round. Like, there's blood in the cage now. Like, now people are fired up. Dude, that's what I'm, I have my signature line. I say it at every fight. And it's, okay, so you know how there's, like, always some guy, like, coaching the fighters? He's like, armbar, armbar, or whatever, like, saying some inane stuff that, like, the fighter can't hear and probably doesn't make sense. You know, like, some has been coaching them up. Well, I always try to get involved in that since I know basically nothing about fighting, but my, like my big call that I usually do, I realized early on, I was like, Oh, this crowd is not rowdy. Like this, this won't even land, you know? And so I had to wait probably five fights, I think before the room even felt comfortable to receive it. <laughs> so what's the line? The line of course, the line of course is rip his head off, rip his head off. <laughs> Well, the best is like it always is a banger. I was doing it like a low point in the crowd, and always gets a laugh. <laughs> Feel free there to use anyone. There was a guy behind me that was like kind of the stereotypical, just like not punch him, punch him, knock him out, right? So this goes on for like the first fight and the second fight, and then the next fight, Matt is a knockout, and he missed it. There was like oh, two no. knockouts, and I was like, dude, like what you called for <laughs> happened as soon as you left. Like, don't be anymore. <laughs> And a waitress will be by, like, use her. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, it's also funny, too. It's like, the one of the down there was great, though. That was fun. Yeah, well, like, and I ran into dude that won Fight of the Night, Chang. That was his debut. And I ran into him backstage. And to his credit, first thing he asked me, he's like, is the guy that I knocked, like, is he okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you caught him clean with a knee. You got him on the button, but, like, he got back up. Like, you're good. 
And then uh, he was like, yeah, like, it was a tough yeah. fight. And I go, yeah, he didn't touch you much, just a little bit in the first round. And he goes, yeah, it was my debut. I was trying to stretch it out. But finally, by the third round, my coach was like, just end it already. And I was like, wow. Like, because sitting on the side, you have no idea. We just thought maybe it was a slow starter. And it was like, he consciously within the fight was like, oh, I'm going to take my time and soak this in. I'm like, that's impressive. Wow. That's a that's exactly what we thought is I was like, man, he just seems like he's like really just not like he looks like he moved way faster and, you know, had a huge reach advantage. But he was just kind of like he seemed meek for the first round and a half. And I was like, wow, this is weird. I kind of thought that guy would come out a lot bigger. That's funny that he was just milking it. It <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Like, though. like I went back to my seats. It was like, turns out we were wrong. He was just kind of enjoying himself in there. Uh, always good, too. We had KJ right down there. Matt, you'll be happy. I had a whole joke in my mind I was going to say. And then, like, KJ Wright steps in the ring. Very nice man. Very large man. It's just like, so uh, what's the deal? You come back to the Seahawks? He's like, it's up to Pete and John. I was like, all right. Well, I had to ask. Everybody was worried about it. (laughs) Then, of course, people break into the Seahawks chant. That's why I just put my mic down. I was like, yeah, let them have their Seahawks fun for a little bit. Yeah. Wow. Um. That's that's funny. I was just imagining you tweeting like breaking KJ Wright says because the offseason NFL reporting on these the, the drama of these things is just so obnoxious sometimes. But you got one of the sound bites that people turn into headlines and clickbait. Yeah, right. That's why somebody was like, at least you asked. I was like, I had to ask. I mean, he's standing right there next to me. Right. I mean, I can literally just see uh, one of these sites with a picture of him, paid ad coming through my Facebook feed. KJ Wright says it's up to Pete and John on whether he returns. And I'll click and then I'll be like Saturday night, Emerald Queen Casino, D. Ted Smith asks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's a real report, dude. Nice work. Right. Just in there doing the little things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was also funny too. Is uh so after I get done my second announcement, I like turn in my microphone. So now I'm officially off work. So I usually go grab a beer. There's a guy out there that's been friends with Hal Quest for years, and he's like, This other guy's like, Ted, do you know Steve? I'm like, Steve Miggs, of course, he's the man. And this guy calls me Steve like three times. And finally I'm like, I thanks for the beer, but it is Ted. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we're walking back into the showroom and he's like, all right, Seth. (laughs) Dude bought me a beer. Like, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. I was like, I I said it twice. Like, you know, at this point, just call me Seth. I'm fine with it. You Seth Smith. Oh, Seth Smith. All right, Seth. Well, what's our next topic? Uh, Real quick. uh, I wanted to say a thank you to our buddy, Jeff. I did after the fights. I went up to Q nightclub for a little bit. And in classic, uh, you know, 40-man uh, lifestyle, went to a crowded nightclub at 1230 at night to go up and sit in the air-conditioned office and be like, it's really nice. There's a pisser up here. Let's get another beer. <laughs> this, this is 40. And, dude, t- I mean, you got to tell people about the photo you sent me. That was, what, 3.50 a.m. or something? Oh, with me and Barnsey? Yeah. Yeah, because we, we went up there and, like, we had a couple beers and a shot, but then like, right, clo- the club closes at two. So then we're just sitting here and I was like, well, I didn't get off work till 11. So there's a fresh 18 rack of uh, Rainier sitting in my house. Let's get into a few. <laughs> Dude, that's what I love. 40-year-old Ted Smith hosts a cage fight 
but it's not enough. Then he goes to a nightclub. Then he goes to the he hosts the after party. I love it, man. Well, dude, great energy. Yeah, and I had the I still had the juice rolling from like working cage for it, but I was like, eh, it's eleven thirty. Like I still want to go do something. And it's like Q's five blocks from my house. Like, let's do it. Man. Sure, I love that. Uh, all right. So the next thing I want to bring up is college football and conferences. So if you guys haven't heard, Texas and Oklahoma are going to leave the Big 12 and go to the SEC, which makes the SEC like one just massive giant conference. Like eventually I think the Big 12 is going to be done. You know? Like they're going to other teams. Yeah, I knew they were leaving. I didn't know it was for the SEC. That's insane. Yeah, dude. It's it's fucking crazy. I mean, that's like, what was the European, was it called the Super League that they were trying to do? That's the Super League of college football. I mean, all they need is the Buckeyes. Yeah, but the Big Ten's the only other real conference right now. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not hating on other conferences, but like. Pac-12, man. Come on. Right, but. The Big Ten, like, at least Ohio State, like, gets the championship game and is in the playoff consistently. Like, I think was was Oregon or was UW the last team in the playoff? Like, so, right. So, like, yeah. the Big Ten still has a way to, like, bring other teams in. I don't know. It, you know me. It, it pisses me off. Number one, I'm like, we don't need giant super conferences. Like, the conferences are fine. And then number two, I'm just amazed that college call- coaches – have the balls to talk about players transferring. And then it's like the schools leave. Like coaches leave, you know, coaches recruit a kid 18, 19 years old for four years and then leaves a year later. Right. Yeah, it is kind of a crazy shuffle. And uh, this whole thing is probably made more complex by, isn't there some NCAA rules now about how people can monetize their jerseys or something like that? Yeah, your name and likeness. So, like, one of the Alabama quarterbacks has already made, like, a million. See, that's what I'm saying is, like, now it's in your interest to, like, go to a big school that has a lot of fans rather than necessarily – like, I would almost rather be, like, the best player at, like, a giant school that's not that great right now. Like, uh, I don't know, Michigan State or Nebraska. I don't really know who's good at the moment, but you know what I mean? Like, those type of caliber schools versus, like, the number three guy at, you know – LSU. Yeah. I don't know. It's just insane. And college football is just, I said this the other day, it's just the dirtiest, filthiest thing ever. And I love college football, but it's like, I'm dating a girl that just cheats on me constantly and does dirt. (laughs) And I'm just like, honey, it's okay. I'll see you at 4am when you get home from (laughs) hooking up with whoever. Right. Like I hate like the, the coach, like the coaches annoy me, the, commissioners annoy me they all make millions but like i'm still just like ah but i love college football i'm still gonna watch it (laughs) there's a lot of things i could say to that ted i mean the the vectors for attack on that comment are massive but i just you know i know you love college football and yeah i understand (laughs) i understand your pain yeah i i don't know it just feels like we're kind of mucking up like the the integrity of the thing and then we have to, and then, but then it's like 18 and 19 year old dudes should be held to a higher standard. I'm like, uh, you guys go choose money. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's a business. And I fathom business is about money. But I, college football just sits in that weird realm of like, are we about education or are we just going to pay the players and get it over with? Yeah. 
Dude, and, and that's really a symptom of the larger issue, I would say, is like, you know, capitalism has some upsides for sure. And it's, you know, it's what's got us on the Zoom call and our cell phones working and food in our pantry. But the downside is like it focuses on capital, not on humans and on sport and on design and beauty and all the things that really make us people, you know, and relationships and things. So, you know, it, it's always tough to see something that I, I, I'm not going to go so far as to say college football was pure, but what I always liked about college was that they weren't pay, the money wasn't an element. And because of that, like there was like a love for the game that, you know, they were playing to try to get to the league, but also there was a lot of guys who knew like that was going to be the end for them. And so to see that purity crushed beneath the boot of capitalism is tough. And I, I definitely, I feel you. I'm with you. Yeah. And I think at a certain point, like once you start signing, you know, almost every state in the United States, the most highly paid state of employee is going to be your football coach. Right. Yeah. And you have these million dollar deals for shoes and stuff. It's like, well, what do you, I mean, eventually, you know, like, that's going to get down to every level of what you're doing. Like you open Pandora's box, you can't really close it. Yeah. I, that, that being said though, are you against players being paid? At the college? Uh, no, but now that they can use their likeness, I don't know. I, I've always been a fan of an incentive based program. So basically you play four years, you get a hundred G's, right? You, the earlier you leave and it's back, it's uh, it's back heavy, right? So basically, you're gonna make, you know, twenty five, twenty five. You want to make the bulk of it in your junior and senior year as an incentive to stay in there. Right. Yeah. It's like stock options at a company. You know, it'd be like five percent, fifteen percent. You know, twenty five, and then the rest. Yeah. I. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they should make something, but it is tough now. You know with a, a, a 19 year old making millions. I mean, it's going to change the dynamics of the game, I think. And uh, it'll change, you know, people will want the ball more or their stats more or their Jersey more or whatever. I don't know. I, I don't know that it's a great direction, but I am the, the silver lining is people who deserve to be paid are, and they're not just getting skimmed off of by the NCAA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also like, it's tough, man. You play Division One college. Like, if you play at Alabama, like, there's rules against you having jobs. But number two is, like, you don't have time for it. Like, that's a full-time no, you game. All. And you got to still stay eligible and keep your grades at a certain level. Well, and that's the thing is they actually intentionally, because off-field, you know, behavior reflects badly on the school or poorly on the school, they intentionally try to fill up your whole calendar. I mean, I lived with a D1 football player all the way through college. And, you know, they if he didn't have anything for – uh, a block of time they would put like mandatory tutors hours so he had to go to the tutor for like three hours a day and he's a smart cat he was not having trouble in school but it's just like they don't want idle time where he can get in a fight or you know whatever cause have a you know commit a crime or anything so it looks balanced so they just try to inflate everything on their schedule to make it so they have no time to mess up and they're just dog tired and they i mean they work them to the bone it's crazy yeah, it's wild and frankly, without college football, you wouldn't have a lot of other college sports. So it's like, I don't know. It's just such yeah. a weird catch-22 on so many angles. But I'm just like, I, I don't know, all the stuff about kids transferring. Like, it's different. That's, that's not how college football works. It's like, you're leaving a conference, <laughs> right? Or like, the coach said, or, you know, I mean, look at, uh, what's his name? The coach at Washington State, and now it's down in uh, uh, Mike Leach. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mike Leach is like, oh, the transfer portal 
portals, like killing college football. It's like you recruited kids and then left six months later for <laughs> two million more dollars to go to the SEC. Like, I don't think I'm going to get on this kid as he wants to go play somewhere with some playing time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the hypocrisy is always a little tough to handle. And I feel like, I don't know, that's one of those weird things about being an adult that you just see what people do versus what they say. And it's, you know, frustrating. <laughs> yeah. But that's also, I think, in, in the end, going back to capitalism or just the way big business runs, like that's part of it. I go, oh, it's just business, this or that. And like, I don't know. I just feel like there's always an excuse or whatever. Like, look, I understand how business works. You know, fuck somebody over, fuck them over. But don't just, you know, just I, I think a lot of people are like, let's just be honest with each other. Yeah, it just seems like it's gotten too extreme. And that's what I was saying is like now in America, it's just like the pursuit of profit above all else and mostly short term profits, sadly. And, you know, like what about our humanity and just, you know, all the other beautiful and great things in life? Like it's just it's gotten too over focused on and out of control with some of the deregulation stuff and whatever, da, 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 all the crap they put in food and whatever else. You know, it's just we've, we've swung too far in that direction, but maybe we'll see a rise in unions. And we'll see things trickle back. You know, they're talking about minimum wage changes and changes to our food and stuff. So who knows? Maybe the government will rein them in, or maybe we will all be serfs for Jeff Bezos. Tough to <laughs> say. <laughs> Can I get a ride to the moon or to space and just the balls of your penis ship? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'll be one little sperm in there. You won't even notice me. There's millions. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's take our first break right here. And we'll come back with some emails. All right. Thank you to our sponsors. Mr. Cobb, do we have some emails? Oh, yeah. Wide Corduroy. Hello to the greatest podcast in all the land. All the land. All the land. One quick note. Matt is right. Only Wide Corduroy. And I want a T-shirt, too. Oh, oh, and I want a T-shirt, too, if you guys do them. We'll donate. Love you guys. Have a great weekend. TJ. I mean, we got to rock cords this winter. We're bringing cords back on our own. What, what color do you guys go? I feel like I'm a black. I only ever owned black cords. I had navy back in the day and black. Those are my, my go-to. Dude, navy would be points. cool. Yeah. I think I'm more the olives. Yeah, I was going to say, dude, I think I had like a forest green pair. That was that was my first pair. I couldn't rock that color. I just as a kid, I was like, I don't, I don't want these. I wanted cord corduroys, but not that color. I need black or navy blue. <laughs> I wanted to do it, but not like this. Yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Jesus, that sounds bad. Like, no, not like this. This isn't right. <laughs> maybe, maybe another time. Oh, <laughs> uh, boys. Uh, Cobb topic. Uh, my happy place uh, where I'm the most genuine is when I'm skateboarding. I've been doing it my whole life. And although I'm not as good at 39 as I was at 20, it's so fun. It's my version of meditation. Nice. That's pretty good. Uh, oh, yeah. My happy place to the greatest podcast in all the land. All the all land. land. I'm going to share a little gem that I try to tell everyone about because it is good to free your mind for a couple of days with no cell service and a couple of buddies. Ted, I don't have any sporting tickets for you, but I will tell you about my happy place. I've been telling you uh, for years at different times. Uh, I've called in on the men's room and a few times here. A few weeks ago, I think I mentioned it, but barter fair or technically the Okanagan family fair is the experience you described with no sporting event to go to. 
Oh, with no sporting event to go to. So it's kind of like a tailgate with no sporting event, I think he's saying. Uh, I think you guys would all dig it. Some people in the Meltdown crew or Burning Man crew probably know of this festival. It's a mix of hipsy, uh, hippie, gypsy, moonshiner, flea market, woodsmen, fire spinners and dancers, herbalist, pot growing, shroom eating, music playing, $1 grilled cheese and $2 beer vending, all around fun, happy people gathering and bartering and having a great time. All right. <laughs> Dude, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I've definitely heard of that one. Cobb, I think we looked at going to that years ago. I wouldn't be surprised. We, uh, I feel like whenever like our normal traditions are upended, we look into like alternative means, <laughs> alternative methods. Um, lots of jokes, random harmless plank, pranks. A really cool guy in a healing yurt specializing in the healing vibration waves of music and sounds with a huge gong and big horn made out of a tree branch that vibrates when blown about nine feet long. I have no idea what it might be called. That, sir, is a didgeridoo. A uh, small music stage with some kind of music all day, about 30 minutes, da 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 da, da. couple of bonfires, big drum circle, um, usually a week or two before Halloween. Uh, and they have another cool one in the spring. Uh, okay, boys, keep up the longest-running podcast on KSW and stay safe out there. Also... Do you guys know Yellow Wolf or Jelly Roll or Ritz the Rapper, like the Cracker? Not into hip-hop or whatever their style is much, but I like those guys' style and wondering if you've ever heard of them. Yeah, I know Yellow Wolf. Uh, he, was on, he, was on, he was at Pain in the Grass like three years ago, I think. Yeah, Something Yeah, like I was that. all fired up to interview him all day, and he asked about getting uh, like a perfect score on one of his old records on, on The Source, and he was like, people still care about that? I was like, all right. <laughs> Dang! <laughs> right, and then like afterwards, he's like, "I was just giving you shit or something." I was like, "Yeah, but that was on stage in front of everybody." <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. Not much we could say now. That's yeah, so people still care about that. Oh, Matt, it was brutal. And it was like that the, is brutal. Like, the back scene. VIP thing where we're like interviewing people. Yeah, no, that's um, kind of what I figured. I, yeah. like, I thought that's a great reference. Yeah, I, I was pretty pumped for it. I, th I thought I had done the research. Kind of a deep pull. Yeah, you're dude. To build the guy up a little bit. Yeah, you're, you're not headlining this, <laughs> right? And, and honestly, outside of me asking you, nobody else here is going to ask you. You're in the rock world, right? You could be walking around on the lawn having a pretty easy time right now, dude. <laughs> I know about that. <laughs> but he, I do like his music. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I've heard some of this stuff too. I like it. Hi, gents. A random uh, email, but after seeing the change in Olympic basketball, I was curious what you three thought of it, uh, particular, particularly as if memory serves, Ted has coached basketball in the past. Uh, so what are your thoughts, gents? Also, any Olympic events you're into? Uh, as always, I look forward to fencing, judo, and wrestling. VR, Paul, the OT. Uh, I did watch some judo Sunday morning. I honestly, I haven't watched any Olympic basketball, so I don't like, I know Olympic basketball is different in like the three point lines different and real, real quick. He's talking about the three on three. I'm sorry. That was the subject of his email. Three on three basketball. Oh yeah. They have a three on three tournament now. So it's separate, uh, separate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's kind of like having, I mean, to me, if you're going to have skateboarding in the Olympics, why not just have three-on-three -three street ball in there? 
<laughs> Do they have skateboarding yeah. in the Olympics? Oh. And surfing. Yeah. Wow. Oh man. Yeah. I haven't been paying attention. I, I watched I've watched two swim races. I think swimmers, like, it's so badass, dude. And I was like tripping out about how first of all, how far one length of an Olympic pool actually is to swim. Yeah, 50 meters is massive. You massive. Don't, you don't realize how far 50 meters actually is to swim. Uh yeah. those pools are so big, man. Yeah. There's one down in Federal Way. If anyone's ever been to the uh, the Federal Way Aquatic Center, it's obscene. Yeah. Yeah. I, huh? That's, I mean, that's the one I jumped off the high dives, the platform. Oh, oh yeah. They do have that. I went to the diving Olympic trials back in 2012 there. Um, right. Yeah. So it's, that was, that was just wild. And like, I, uh, Taryn actually sent me a picture of one of the gymnasts and said I looked like him, which when she was like, have you seen your Olympic doppelganger? I was in my head. I was like, tell me it's a gymnast. Tell me it's a gymnast. Tell me it's a fucking gymnast. Like they're so <laughs> jacked. They move so good. And I was so stoked. So thank you for that. Awesome compliment, Taryn. <laughs> I think it's Shane Wilskis was his name or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, I'm not, I don't really remember, but I'm pretty sure his name was this beautiful gymnast guy. Um, yeah, for me, I mean, I obviously like watching the swimming. Um, those guys are insane. Matt, do you know what races you watched? So they're all qualifiers. Uh, and one of the guys almost broke the world record. It was the men's 200 breaststroke. Um, and yeah, like I was fast as hell in the women's 200 butterfly, which two, 200 meters of butterfly is just insane that they can finish that. Yeah. My arms would fall off on the first lap. Yeah. That's, that's the game is like amongst people who are new ish to swimming butterflies, the hardest. And then there comes like a point when like breaststroke tires you out even more. So like the 200 breast seems like the easiest stroke. That's a crazy race, man. Those guys were working hard. I, I believe that they move very fast. And like I said, I've seen Olympic pools enough times because I grew up on swim teams and it's like they are, there's such a massive distance that they're doing every single lap and they make it look like it's just a regular kid's pool. Like, like oh, the ones yeah. I used to swim through. Dude, those Dude, guys can probably swim breaststroke practically as fast as I can swim crawl stroke. Like it's insane. <sighs> they are so fast. What's it when you're swimming backwards? Backstroke? Backstroke. Yeah, I watched the final of the 100-meter backstroke, and they were so focused on these two dudes, they didn't realize a guy like up, up a couple lanes actually won the gold. They were like, oh, oh no, I love that. They were like, he just lost. They were like, wait a minute. The gold was actually up in lane two. <laughs> and it was like the dude was winning the whole race. He just timed out like cruising into the wall wrong and lost the damn race. Dude. Wow. Dude. Yeah, yeah, they kind of like lurch backwards at the end. If you know where the wall is going to be, you can kind of do like a weird little butterfly kick into it. Um, just one though. Yeah, dude, that's I love that when there's like a comeback story or somebody who's like not expected to do anything and they just blow everyone away. Those are my favorite races. Because <laughs> the whole setup was like, it's these two guys. That's it for the gold. And it was like, or this guy. Turns <laughs> out he was really or fast. Or this relative unknown from Tunisia. Yeah. <laughs> 
That was the best. Or like somebody who's super young. Like sometimes you see that happen, like, you know, a Gary Hall Jr. or whatever for those swimming nerds out there. But somebody who's like 17, no one even knows that he's on the team and he'll go out and win one. Like that's cool too. Uh-huh. Well, that's like the United States just had some 17-year-old girl from Alaska won some swimming event and everybody was going nuts. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Yeah. Other than that, Olympic sports, uh, what else have you guys watched? I think I've mostly watched swimming and gymnastics. Like I said, I, I was watching judo the other day, and then I watched a little bit of rugby. It's uh, Olympic rugby's rugby seven, so it's pretty fast-paced. Ted, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a crush on any U.S. gymnasts, U.S. Olympic gymnasts, or am I alone? Uh, I was, for some reason, like figure skaters stick out in my mind. Okay. Yeah. Man of culture. I, I had a lot of crushes on female gymnasts b- before I turned 18. Yep. Same. So they're real young. There might have been one. Yeah, yeah. This is like when I was a kid. Okay. Yeah. Like, literally, the team I'm thinking of, I think, is the 2000 Olympic team. So I'd have been 13. Okay. Perfect. Anyway, yeah, for shout me, out I, Dominique Bosciano. I just remember years ago, Katarina Witt won a ice skating for Germany and I stole the sports mm. section with her picture in it. Katarina. <laughs> <laughs> Never to be seen. Hey, Ted, that's, dude, I always thought you would date in your word. Uh, okay. I'm not going to say what your words were, but I thought you would date a party girl from Renton. Now I'm starting to think like you got that Seahawks union Jack behind you as your background. I feel like Ted Smith goes international in 2022. That's the call I'm making. International bride. You heard it here. <laughs> oh, could You're be. We're talking to our town camp about that. <laughs> uh, we got any more in there? We good. Oh, yeah, we got some more. Sorry, I forgot we were actually doing a show. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, name joke. Uh, my last name is Beatty, uh, pronounced like the actor Warren Beatty. Is that how you guys say that? Beatty? I thought it was Warren Beatty. Okay, Beatty. There you go. That's there you go. I messed it up already. Um, yeah, pronounced like the actor Warren Beatty. Uh, the joke I appreciated the most was: if you become rich and uh, you're a butler, he would have to call you Master Beatty. Sincerely, Michael Beatty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll take it. I like it, Beatty. All right, and we got one more long one, but he put some notes in about reading. Let me see. Read following if you need to kill time. (laughs) Read the following if you need to kill time. If not, skip to the end. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Evening, gentlemen. Uh, When you guys were talking about regional terms, oh, yeah, we were talking about like regional addiction and things people say in different parts of the country. Uh, I was thinking about when I moved to Indiana from the Pacific Northwest for college many moons ago in 1999. My first roommate at Purdue, Boiler Up, was a crash course in Midwest terminology. He would talk about sweeping the carpet, which is what he called vacuuming. He would also say uh, tight" after he or anyone else burped. Uh, but I think he just did that to mess with me as kind of a reverse move. Uh, I had him help me, help break me of saying hella like we tend to do. <laughs> Cop topic 714, uh, what are the jokes you get with your name over and over again? Strap in, boys. My name's Scott Layers. First name, Ross. As a kid, Ross dressed for less. Do you love it? I love it. I got it at Ross. Ross Boss. Roscoe. Roscoe P. Coltrane. As a teen or young adult. Any reference to everyone's most despised friend's character, especially when I dated an Emily or hung out with my friend Rachel. 
Side note, uh, I've had multiple people ask me if Ross is short for anything. If I want to mess with them, I say Rosignol or Ross Chester or something equally stupid. Last <laughs> name, Walborg. As a kid, are you Donnie's cousin? Teen, young adult, this very minute, are you Mark's cousin? Side note, I tell people the spelling is like the killer robots from Star Trek, not the ice chunks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would... I mean, my last name's Smith. I could be related to a lot of people, but Wahlberg's pretty specific. Will Smith? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Second cousin. On, on, right, on my uncle's side. I was just going to finish that one. Sorry, I just wanted to say thank you guys for all the content, especially during the pandemic. My newish job doesn't allow me as much podcasting as, as I used to, but you better believe the greatest podcast in all the land. All the land. All the land. Made the cut when I had to go back to basics. Love you guys. Ross W. Toledo, Ohio. Formerly Linwood. Nice. All right, let's take another break here, and then we'll come back and finish up with what's maddening the cop topic. All right, welcome back. It's probably about that time where we check in, see what Matt was doing over the weekend with what's maddening. Hey, Hey, what's good? What's maddening? Uh, Before we get to what's maddening. Hey, Hey, what's good? What's maddening? Check out with what's maddening. Hey, what's good? What's maddening? Uh, before we get to what's maddening. Hey, what's good? What's maddening? Check out with what's maddening. All right. Um, yeah, I had a good weekend. I saw a lot of friends. Um, so Friday night, we went over to Josh and Gretchen's. Uh, it was Gretchen's birthday, and they had just gotten a new place. Um, Actually, in your old hood, Cobb, right, right, drove right through Juanita. Where? I don't know Juanita right, so well Juanita? enough to know what part of Juanita. Um, but give me a landmark. I'll tell you. Huh? I said, give me a landmark. I'll tell you. I I don't know exactly where, but I remember I did drive by Juanita High to get there, and I was like, oh my god, Cobb went there. He was wearing like white polo hats and puka shell necklaces and, you know, just like all the dudes wanted to be him. All the girls wanted to be with him. Just like I just imagined you running that school, dude. So, you know, that was that was fun. I don't know what you were actually like in high school, but I I think very highly uh, of that version when I drove by the school. (laughs) The hat was tan. It was tan. Okay. I'm just kidding. That's pretty close. Um, and so, yeah, that was uh, that was cool. You know, some of the some of the crew was there. Uh, Josh's mom's been a client of mine for a while, and she told me she hit a hundred and three pounds lost over the years. Whoa, nuts! That was my first time hearing that I've helped someone reach triple digits, and uh, yeah, that was definitely. A uh, cool part of the night. So shout out to Becky on all the awesome work. Uh, the next day I went over and saw my boys pound. I'm wearing their shirt right now. Uh, their band is really, really cool uh, brand of experimental metal. That is very weird, but groovy. I love it. And uh, their drummer has been teaching me drums all pandemic. And it's been a ton of fun. And they were doing a clinic on like, their songwriting process and keep in mind these are like extreme metal nerds and i am real bad at drums in the scheme of things like very so novice 
and they were just going to break down all this stuff about how they do something. I didn't care. I knew I wouldn't get any of it. I knew they were going to play some new songs and they were going to talk about a bunch of stuff that I think was cool, but wouldn't fully understand. And uh, so I sat in the front row right in front of Dave's giant, giant drum kit and put in the earplugs and listened to some songs. And, you know, they were talking about what they do to make those songs. And I didn't understand it, but it was so cool. There's something about even if you're not into it or understanding it, seeing people that are like on fire about what they're talking about. There was just it was cool to be in the presence of that energy in person again. Where was um, the show? It was actually at the uh, West Coast Drum Shop, which is an awesome drum shop in Bellevue. Uh, if you're a drummer and need gear, definitely check them out. Uh, and uh, yeah, Chase, a uh, drummer from Point One back in the day, runs it. Um, and he's been around in the scene for a long time. He actually taught Keith drums back in the day, Cobb. And uh, nice. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. And so uh, Will uh, from 10 Miles Wide works there. So I got to see him for the first time. Based, I saw him once over the pandemic. So like, it was just like faces I hadn't seen in a while. Real human connection, real music, real passion, you know, and just like, like I said, I didn't understand all the music stuff. I was just like, whatever, you guys are cool. This is fun. <laughs> just felt like an idiot up there, but uh, had a great time. And then went up to uh, Josh Clausen's up north. Uh, and like Conway, they live on a farm and uh, he was having a little get together for the full moon. And there's a guy playing uh, songs and then other musicians hopped on and it was just like a full on jam sesh around the campfire under the full moon. And, uh, you know, they live on a farm. So there's fresh blueberries just picked that day on the table. And, you know, I was just going at him like a psychopath. Uh, and then. <laughs> Yeah, so that was a ton of fun. And then uh, Nolan came over on Sunday. Nolan nice. came over with Kayla and the three pugs, and we had a great time. Uh, he has his boater's license, so showed him the ropes on the jet ski, and uh, he had a great time out there. And then uh, Chris swung by for a little bit, too. So had a few people over, and uh, it, it was a giant, fast-paced blur, but it just felt like old times. It was so cool just running around town, seeing people, seeing music. And like, I didn't care that I drove to Juanita, which is way past Kirkland. Cobb's right. They're two very separate places. <laughs> My guy. So far. My guy. Josh was like, I live in Kirkland. And I was like, okay. And then I got the address and I was like, 45 minutes. Like, and then. Yeah, up to Conway, tale of two cities, day. my friend. A tale of two cities. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of great hugs, a lot of <laughs> lot of awesome times, and uh, yeah, just a really fun weekend of summer. Yeah, I was right there with you. Like, I didn't expect to see Cobb and AC. Saw them Saturday. Running into Barnes at the nightclub was random, and then yeah, saw some good friends on Sunday before the Sounders. Ran into Joe. You know, saw Chris and Corey and Amanda. So, wow. Yeah, I mean. Summertime. People are back out. They're getting it done. It's a lot of you fun. Know? Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, I guess it's about that time. Cobb topic. Cobb topic. Uh, so uh, I'm reading some 
I don't know. This is kind of a weird segue, but basically I'm reading this book right now called Nonviolent Communication. I don't know if either of you guys have read it, but the short version of why I'm reading it is, you know, I'm working on my relationships this summer. And part of that is being a better listener of which I've realized I'm not a great one. Uh, so within this book, um, I don't know. They just, they talk about, um, well, I don't know a lot of things, a lot of ways to communicate and connect with people. But anyway, the cop topic this week is a little bit of a different vibe. And I'm curious from you guys, of course, because you're my friends, but I'm actually more curious to just see what's up with people in the emails. But the question this week is, how are you doing? The pandemic's over. Well, over-ish. It's summertime, but that doesn't necessarily mean people are doing good. I don't know. I just want to check in and see how people are doing. So what's up, Ted? I mean, last weekend was pretty damn fun. Could have been a little more productive yesterday, but overall, I got no complaints. Uh, things are open, seeing people. Uh, I do wish we had a little rain. It's very dusty out there. <laughs> <laughs> Still July. Yeah, right? Like, heat dome's back. Uh, no, I mean, I'm good. I, I am more than excited to be able to go out and see people. Like, I'm just a very uh, outgoing creature and kind of need that, you know, to see other people. Like, the Zooms were cool, and that kind of put a Band-Aid over it, but it's nice to see people again. Oh, yeah. Dude, definitely. I went to the Pono Ranch, and just it felt amazing to be around humans. Like, they were drinking and just having fun. Yeah. Yeah. I love that bar. Yeah, it's a fun one. Um, it's actually become a hot spot, by the way. I saw really? a giant line outside of it last time I drove by it, and, and it was dark. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. All right. Matt yeah. Stathis. What'd you say? Uh, Mateus. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting, I'm swinging all over the place, dude. Like, and you know, uh, I'm reading a new book called the war of art, which I love. It's not new, but it's new to me. So definitely recommend that to everybody out there. Um, just because it's going to help you get a good perspective and handle on things. So I've been viewing all of my like anxiety as kind of resistance to getting work done because I have a lot of things that I want to do, which is a nice like lens to look through it at and just be like, set that aside. But uh, so I'm doing real good, productive, like loving the weather, loving the socialization coming back, you know, really excited about how, uh, you know, I've kind of developed a little bit of a business since the pandemic and like feeling more official and like go check out by the body fitness, all one word on Facebook and Instagram. Like I'm posting again and it's just like I, I you know, I'm just I'm feeling real good. But this weather has me wildly concerned. Like, Ted, you touched on it and I just keep going back to like this ain't normal. Like. I saw an inconvenient truth in, in theaters. Okay. I've been aware of this stuff like for two. And it's just like, it's just getting more and more true and more and more inconvenient, dude. Like, so between like panicking a little bit about that and then, but also being like, you know, I'm really, really feeling good about my relationships and my business and you know where I'm headed and like, yeah. So Wild swings, man. That's how I would say it, but I'm enjoying the ride. You know, it's, it feels like it's a very, I 
my go-to line is just what a time to be alive. And I really feel that way in all of the ways, including really good ones. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one thing I try to always do is try not to get the highs too high and the lows too low. Dude, I like, that's a, an idea from like Zen Buddhism. Like they, you know, don't like believe the highs or believe the lows, like kind of media, media in between. Matt, I think I'm, I'm in your boat, man. I feel like it's been like, yeah, like some really, really good moments and some moments where it's like kind of, you know, weird or anxious or whatever. I think like coming out of the pandemic, it's kind of weird, like restarting your social life and work life and stuff because everything kind of ground to a halt. So it's weird, like. I don't know, just reaching out to people and be like, hey, do you want to like go grab a beer or whatever? I don't know, because there's not like those set of like social things that you already, those patterns and stuff like those are mostly broken. So yeah, so I would say same thing. I feel like, you know, on my on my drive home, I was over at my parents' house helping them with some stuff. On my drive home, like at one point, some woman screamed at me because she thought I didn't stop long enough at a stop sign laughed in her face, but then like saw a beautiful sunset and cried on 520 and then was like back to laughing by the time I got home. And it's just like, wow, like what a time to be alive. It's a wild ride. But yeah, <laughs> all in all, I would say like, this is probably the greatest time to be alive in human history because of the internet. But it's also a crazy time. And the swings are massive. The political swings, the drama of the news, sports, whatever, like things move fast. Life <laughs> comes at you fast. And it's also weird being 34. So I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, trust me. There's sometimes I got to consciously get home. Like we're done this podcast. Like, all right, put on something stupid to watch. Like fold my laundry. Like we're not looking at any more news for the day. <laughs> We've had our. Yeah. Shut it down. <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll be off next week, but then we'll be back uh, two weeks after that. Uh, I was going to say Saturday, I'll be out at the Brody nation uh, festival on Saturday. See our buddy Davin. I think he's on at six 30. So if you see me down by the river skipping rocks, come say hi. See me in the beer garden, come say hi. Uh, <laughs> right, which basically if it's a festival on a Saturday, there's two places, places you'll find me, beer garden or the river. Yep. <laughs> All right, for MCTP, for Cobb, I'm the Ted Smith. This is the podcast. Cheers. <laughs>